0: Man, Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 433. Jason Lingren is with me and Brett Pike joins us. Uh, the majority of what we're going to talk about here is basically educating a younger generation. And this gets me thinking about the age of consent. Almost everybody I know, as a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say everybody I know made it to 18 or whatever the age of consent is where they are never realizing what that threshold was. Basically, things were, we were opted into things. We were placed in trusts. All these things happened when we came through the port of entry, also called the birth canal. At the age of consent, as far as I understand at this point, or comprehend is maybe a better word, if you do nothing and do not exercise the free will the Creator granted you, you're opting in by acquiescence. And as I work with KL and I see others doing similar things, What we are doing now, and I'm basically an old man at this point, should have been shown me before I was 18, and I should have been given the option to go down these roads to collapse trusts that I've been placed into and any number of things I could point to. But anyhow, welcome, Jason.
1: Oh, and a hot and humid good morning. Okay, welcome, Brett.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Cool. And, you know, I was mentioning the age of consent, and the more that i comprehend about this because I am learning too. It's unbelievable how hidden these systems to undo the systems. If you choose to opt out and not everybody does, uh, it's so hidden. It's almost, it's mind boggling to me that people such as KL and others even put together. I mean, it's scattered all over States. It's, it's just unbelievable. And it reminds me of the Truman show. It's a one-to-one allegory. Christoph says, "Well, if Truman really was serious and did all he could, then there's nothing we could do to stop him. That's what's going on here." And by the way, Truman jumps in a boat, scared to death of water, with a psalm tattooed to the sail in his boat. Almost drowns, but he makes it. And there's the lesson of our age. But anyhow, Brett, we have all your bullet points. Why don't you tell folks where they can find you and what you have on offer?
2: Yeah. So uh, a couple of years ago. I decided I wanted to break out of the system myself. And I had a background as an educator. I had a bachelor's degree as a history teacher. I had a master's degree in um, birth to two special education. And I really, I didn't like what I saw from the system. And as I started to wake up to the world, I wanted to do something different. And about three years ago, I started the classical learner homeschooling company, which you can find at www.classicallearner.com. And I was really just doing um, one-on-one consultations, showing people different ways that they can educate their children. And um, ultimately, that's evolved into something more where now we have a thriving homeschool community of hundreds of parents with thousands of years of accumulative homeschooling experience who really rely on each other. I make original curriculum. And a lot of what we do is the stuff that you talk about, which is why I was so attracted to everything you're doing with. How do we teach children their rights? How do we prepare them to defend themselves or at least give them a chance to do so where the system, as we all know, doesn't teach children about any of this stuff?
0: All right. Well, for those interested in what we can put together these days of a classical education, we did an episode on the quadrivium and the trivium in episode 250. But to get back to it, Brett, you know, there comes a point in this modern era where you begin to realize uh, everything that I've ever been told or shown in school are just things that show me how to work within a system. They tell me nothing about the creation, so to speak, or what my rights are, or the fact that I have free will, or that there are actually legal processes still in place that can be used. So if you want to jump in, let's start from the top. And uh, I assume we're following the bullets that you gave us. Yeah, we
2: can go any way you want. Um, I could talk about education ad
0: nauseum. So <laughs> let's, let's go. Right. Let's start at the top. So you you make the statement that when you're trying to educate someone or help them to learn, you need to judge the ability of that individual. In other words, you're implying, which school does not, that each of us is an individual and may require different methods.
2: Not only the ability, but really to follow the interest of your child and then use that interest to embed the things you want them to learn. Now, that could look different for every child, and children have um, different minds. There's people with mathematical minds. There's people with artsy minds. But whatever that interest is, you can follow it. Um, For example, let's say a child is interested in, let's say you have a four-year-old, and they're interested in photography. Well, I could point you in the direction of entire unit studies that are designed to teach children from a very young age that skill in photography. And from there, you can teach them all about nature. You can show them how to take pictures of flowers. And eventually what you do is when they're ready, and again, it depends on age, you start to guide them toward a direction in which you get them real-world experience. So you take that child who's been good at photography for a couple of years They could be seven, eight years old, and you can show them how to create flyers, put them on the neighbor's door, and start a season, a seasonal photography business in which they take pictures of their neighbors. They get paid real money in the real world, and then you just follow it from there. So you say, "Oh wow, you know, you're taking really nice photographs." Um, Have you ever heard of graphic design? You know, and your seven, eight year olds like, "What's graphic design?" Right? And then you show them. You say, "Yeah, you know, you could add birds or whatever you want into your pictures." And then you have them take a course on graphic design and you just go from one skill to another developing skills. Um, And again, that could look different for every child. You can do that with construction. I've worked with four-year-olds or five-year-olds that their dad assisted them to make a bench and donate it to a church. I mean, there's just so many different things you can do in following the interest of your children and then using that interest to embed what you want them to learn and teach them skills that will benefit them for a lifetime.
0: Well, minimally in the world that most of us came up in for at least the first 12 years of schooling, aptitude doesn't matter. Mostly everyone's getting what's coming down the pipe. And that reminds me of, I saw these toys. I think they were Chinese and I think it was actually on an old antiques roadshow. And they were supposedly had these toys that they would show young children to see which ones they went to, to start to comprehend their aptitude. There were tools and musical things and all these things. And in that way of thinking, and in that way of educating the young, they right out of the gate, were trying to determine where does the interest lie? What are the aptitudes here? And that's a far cry from the homogenization we see in, in our systems of schooling. Yeah, it's the exact opposite of what happens in public school, where everything is very regimented. The
2: children learn everything out of context. So, for example, in public schools, if children are going to learn to calculate surface area, they're going to be given a problem, probably a paragraph, and say, okay, now, based on that paragraph, here is a formula, calculate surface area. And when am I ever going to use this? It doesn't really mean anything to the children. Now let's look at a different way to teach them surface area, where, for example, members of our homeschool community are doing our year-long nature unit study. And one of the things they've done as part of that study is it's, it's based around gardening and stuff of that nature, is they've actually built their own garden boxes. They've you know got the wood, got the nails, got the hammers, and they've constructed their own garden boxes. And that looks different for every home, every family, every child. And as part of that assignment, after they researched their planting zone and decided what they wanted to plant. They actually calculated the surface area of that garden box so they could determine how to space everything out. And it's about learning in context so that has meaning to the child and they don't develop that indifference you see in public school where really after 45 minutes of them barely paying attention, they probably take that piece of paper, crumple it up and throw it in the garbage because it doesn't mean anything to the child.
0: So you're, you're taking a step back to the future because 100 years ago, uh, real-world skills were being taught. And when you're making a garden, you're, in fact, learning something about the creation and you're learning things we're all going to need to know pretty quick here. If we keep on the trajectory we are, we're going to be faced with a new cost for goods and services. For most of us, it will be a bridge too far. For some of us, we will stand up and use our free will and refuse to go across that bridge. For many of us, they will probably take the bridge too far. These costs, which have emerged in the last five, 10 years, go well beyond handing someone money for goods and services. Now you've got to cover your spirit or your breath. Now you've got to prove that you had some medical procedure. This is where we're headed. So to get the young minds back to the creation, it's a big deal. When I was in first, second, third grade, I never went outside other than recess to kick a ball around. Never learned a single thing per se about the creation with my hands on.
2: Yeah, it it really is amazing. And the beautiful thing is that families all over America are discovering that there is a different way. And I always tell people that, I like that you brought up free will because the education system, it fails 95% of people. And what I mean by that is 95% of 18 year olds aren't capable of being independent and free they aren't capable of earning a living and i mean if you're like me if i'm going to give someone my child for 15 years at the end of those 15 years i expect them to be able to live independently and what that means is a worthy education they shouldn't be dependent on the government they shouldn't be dependent on corporations and they shouldn't be dependent on even you as the parents and the way we do that is we teach them Critical thinking from a young age, the process of learning over memorization, which is the opposite of what takes place in public school. We focus, we hyper-focus on skill development, whether that's construction, engineering, computer coding, art, music, photography, videography, aesthetics, that looks different for every child. And then what I coach parents to do, and I would implore all parents to do, is from the time your child's about five years old. Once every six months. So, you know, basically once every school semester. What I have parents do is guide your children following their interests, whether that be baking or photography, to do one thing that is entrepreneurial every six months. And by doing that, you're developing a, an abundance mindset and an entrepreneurial mindset. And from what I've seen working with families, is by the time children turn 13, 14, 15, as they start to get older, that type of lifestyle kind of becomes ingrained in them and they start to guide. Hey, you know what? I'm really interested in this. And because of that, I want to do this type of thing. Like um, a member of our homeschool community, their daughter just actually got into an actual storefront making, I guess we'll call it jewelry, right? Making necklaces. And to see 14 year olds doing that, it really shows you what our children are capable of. Versus what's happening in the school system where they're saying, no, no, you don't do anything that resembles the real world. You don't do anything that is that serious until you graduate from college and you're 22, 23 years old, have $100,000 of debt, and by the way, probably
0: still have no skills. So there's a huge distance from where I was when I was 10 to where the young people now are at 10. When I was between 10, 11, 12, I had to prove to my father that I could tie knots to tie up a boat safely. He knew that I could swim well because I basically swam before I walked. He knew I knew how to sail, but I had a Boston Whaler. It was a 10-foot Boston Whaler with a 10-horsepower motor. And at the age, probably closer to 11, 12, I was given free reign. I could go all the way up the river to go get gasoline because there used to be a, you know, a little boat gas station there. And then I could go the opposite way, probably five, six, seven miles down to open ocean. I could be gone all day long. And I had friends with me and I'll just ask the question. And that was commonplace that the young people were expected to be able to do things and they were expected to go and be back and, you know, just do the things they were supposed to do. Can anyone imagine right now taking their 11 or 12 year old son or daughter and putting them in a boat and allowing them to go that many miles away to the edge of ocean open or (laughs) open ocean. But uh, this is the change. And the problem with that is that's not just a reflection of the skills the young people have, but it's the whole mindset of the adults. They, They have it now that children aren't capable of anything, and they never get pushed in any direction to learn. But we are a far distance from those early seventies where all the children I knew in this neighborhood were doing similar things.
2: Yeah. I mean, we live in a society where I don't know if 15 year olds act 25 or 25 year olds act 15. I just know they don't act any different. And the public school system is structured to really create this delayed adolescence. And when you look at it, the majority of work, even, and this goes to 10th, 11th, 12th grade is dictated by the teacher. You go to class when you're told to be there, you sit down, you shut up and you do whatever assignment you're told to do, where if you're preparing children for the real world, they should be doing their, you know, they should be guiding. Hey, what do you want to work on now? You're in 10th, 11th, 12th grade. You should have interests. You should have things that you want to pursue. And the way we get to that point is by, is actually through early childhood education, and by almost breeding this independence into children, and that can be done a lot of different ways. You know, you'll have um, the Montessori style, which, you know, everyone should have some degree of Montessori set up for their
0: children when they're young. What does that mean? What is Montessori? When you, when you explain it in this way, what are you saying? What is Montessori in this context?
2: But let me give you an example in my home. So one of the things that my wife is phenomenal at, thank God, because I'm very lucky, is she is a phenomenal chef. And that has a lot of benefits to my children and myself. But from the time my son was little, he observed my wife cooking. And as soon as he showed any interest, we would get him involved. But how do you do that? Because the counters are high up, um, the knives are dangerous. Well, very simple. We got him a stool so he could go climb up the stool and stand right there at the counter with my wife. And we bought him what's called Montessori knives, which are knives that are actually capable of cutting food. But if you slip and even try to cut your finger, they won't cut his finger, right? So from the time he's been little, he's cooked with my wife. When you have the posters set up in your house, do you have them like you have posters with numbers on them and whatnot? Do you have those six feet high? Well, a child's not six feet tall. No, you put them basically at the floor level so your child could interact with them. You have um, different stations set up. So you might have a station set up with all different art supplies. You might have a station set up with all different music supplies. You might have a station set up with um, blocks for building and construction. And within that, you can incorporate whatever, you know, you could teach mathematics through um, that type of building, especially for a young child. But ultimately what it comes down to is, can you set your child's environment up so that they are doing hands-on learning? And then you don't even have to say, hey, all right, little Matthew, right now we're going to learn this. No, little Matthew goes to his blocks, he starts building, and we can learn the basics of architecture. We can do a little fun assignment where I say, all right, I have an idea. Let me take out this piece of paper, let us draw the structure that we want to build. And obviously, little kid, it won't be to scale yet. Um, As they get older, you can. Um, But you have them draw out the structure, then you build the structure, you do basic mathematics, and you embed what you want them to learn um, within following their interest, hey, I want to play with this, and within the way you live your everyday life, there's nothing me and my wife do in our home that my children aren't involved in. We homestead. We're homesteaders. When we grow our food, the children are involved. When we make at home fertilizer with bananas and eggshells, the children are involved, and it doesn't feel like schoolwork. It's just them living life. Because if you're educating a child right, homeschool is life school.
0: So, there's a thing I noticed years and years and years ago that's missing from growing up the way that I did and all the people around me that were growing up. I think I was well into my thirties before I started thinking about do I feel like a grown up and that's ridiculous and I began to learn, well, Jewish people have a thing called a bot or a bar mitzvah where it's usually at age thirteen, and you're told, "Hey, man, you're grown up now 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 there's Responsibilities are expected of you. The idea of put away the childish things. I was in San Diego, so we were very closely knit with a lot of Mexican families. They would have things called a quinceanera, which is similar. In other words, there was a rite of passage, and all these other cultures I could see. And here I was making it into my 30s and asking myself, do I feel like a grown up yet? <laughs> do you have any idea of this built into what you're doing? Uh, I think typically in the world, 13 ish or Maybe between thirteen and sixteen was that the idea of that right that you're no longer a little kid anymore.
2: You know, it's funny you bring that up, and I recently spoke to the members of my community about that. And maybe we should work out something that is more formal in terms of a right of passage. But what I told the members of my community, I actually made them a, a like a one minute documentary video. Um, I do a lot of TikTok, so I'm pretty good at one minute videos. And I did a, a one minute documentary on. Don't quote me, I'm pretty sure it was the Navajo Indians. But the Navajo Indians, when a girl goes through puberty, whenever that is, when she goes through puberty, in their culture, she has just become a woman. And in order to cement that into her mind, they have a four day ceremony in which she prepares dinner, she cooks and prepares dinner for the entire tribe. There's all types of skills involved, the sewing of clothing. The making of a fire, she's responsible for making this gigantic bonfire for the tribe and people help her out, but she's really supposed to be the driving force behind this. And it's this elaborate four-day ceremony. Um, And at the end of the ceremony, the tribe begins to dance at sundown. And I'm sure they take breaks and whatnot, but basically they are to continue dancing until the sun rises the next morning. And the sun rising is supposed to be symbolism of, according to their tribe, their their life comes from the sun, right? So it's supposed to be symbolism that just like the sun, the future of their tribe and life will come from that girl. And when the sun rises, she's no longer a girl, she's a woman, and they are supposed to carry themselves in that manner. In my opinion, rites of passage are so important. The only one we really have in our culture is allegedly, my bear is showing, is allegedly children going to college. But from what I've seen, and I'm sure most people see, that college is really just extended adolescence where people are going there to get laid and they're going there to drink alcohol. They're not producing adults. So yeah, to me, I think rites of passage are really important. And it's something that I'm going to do with my children. And everyone should do with their kids. Now that might look differently, but it's something that
0: I think you hit the nail on the head. So That's a big deal. I would actually mark the only real rite of passage that I feel like I experienced or the people that I was growing up with was the idea of being old enough to drive. So I started driving at 15 and a half, but like you say, it's not the same. And by the way, I saw a coverage of the right for the young women that you were describing. And think about what that does in the mind of the person who's about to get that rite of passage. They look for it. They know it's coming. Their whole way of thinking and being running up to that time is changing. They're taking on more responsibility. They're getting the idea in their mind that I can do things without help. Um, I'm going to be grown up at some level here. It's a big, big deal. And then you get there, you hit the rite of passage. It is whatever it is. And after that, everything has changed. And you don't have losers like me walking around at 30 asking myself, do I feel like an adult yet? Which is just absolutely ridiculous. But for me, well, the boating thing at an earlier age was kind of a rite of passage. It's just that we didn't view it that way. But the car thing is the closest I can come. You're going to get to drive here in a year.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that's why we have to guide our children to always take on more responsibility. And that can be done through rites of passage. and. You don't have to wait till your child is 15. You could have them throughout their life. I brought up Montessori, but really when I teach parents, I teach them to understand all of the different educational philosophies and then implement the parts that you like of those philosophies into the way you educate your children. So for example, and you brought up responsibility, all parents, just like they should implement some form of Montessori should implement some form of Charlotte Mason. And the reason I say that is Charlotte Mason, the woman, she thought it was very important that children have chores in their daily life. When they get to a certain age, your child's four or five years old, you need to point out to them that you are four or five years old now, and there's an expectation that you help around the house. And whether that be letting the dogs out, right, for my son, he lets the dogs out every morning, he fills up their dog um, bowls with food, um, He helps after meals. It's his job to wash off the table. And what we're doing is we are teaching him that you're expected to have, you have responsibilities. You are expected to do things as part of this family. And that just changes as your children get older. So when your children are young and you're guiding them, that might be chores. That might be guiding them to have a lemonade stand. And when they're teenagers, that might look like, you know, I know you want to get this new thing, whatever it is that you want, but as your parent, I can't buy things for you forever. But what I'd be happy to do is make an investment in a lawnmower so that you could start a summer lawn mowing business and you could start to take on that responsibility. And with each stage, you're really the objective. What I always tell parents, we talked about this a little bit earlier, is if you're educating your children right from an early age, By the time they're that 10th, 11th, 12th grade, you really want a solid 80% at least of what they're doing to be driven by the, you don't even want to call them a child at that point, right? To be driven by the young adult. You're a young adult now and you have this life in front of you and I'm going to allow you to um, really grab the bull by the horns and live an amazing life and I'll guide you But you really want to cement into your child's mind that you are becoming an adult. And when you're 18 years old, I don't want you to be reliant on mommy and daddy. I don't want you to be reliant on a corporate boss who will kick you on the butt after 40 years and tell you, you know, give you a wash and tell you to get lost. He doesn't care anything about you. And I certainly don't want you to be dependent on the government. And we do that through the things we've talked about with rites of passage, with personal responsibility with following the interest of the child, with prioritizing critical thinking over memorization. And I'll talk about that in a minute, if you like. I'm critical thinking over memorization, skills, 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 skills over subject matter, not that subjects don't matter because they do, and
1: entrepreneurial experience. Critical thinking and self-responsibility? What kind of people are they going to be?
2: (laughs) They might think for themselves. It's scary for the government.
0: (laughs) You know, Rose just uh, pinged me, Jason. Um, Remember when I got Aura, that wooden book? So everyone out there, if you want interesting books to get young people, look at the wooden book series. The Trivium and the Quadrivium, I think, are attached to that. But I got Aura on her 15th birthday, one of the wooden books, the one that has to do with design. Do you feel like anything came of that, Jason?
1: Well, Aura, she has her own little business. She's trying to start now with her artwork. She has a Redbubble account, and she does drawings for friends, and she's trying to build up enough of a uh, catalog where she could start charging because she's pretty good at it. Did she ever use that book? Did that book have any sway on her? You know, I'll have to ask her that. I, I kept trying to get her to go through them and the quadrivium and the trivium. That's a good question. I'll have to see how that reflected in her now that she's 19.
0: Well, it's a big deal to see her doing that because in the era we're going into, it's exactly what Brett's saying. If you're working check to check for the man, uh, that's going to be a a tough road to hoe. There's no two ways about it. And if they don't need you or they don't want you, you're out the door and they could care less uh, my nephew does a similar thing. He's a very good artist and he's creating his own income. And I've got to ask for it, how much, this is the catch 22 of our era. Everyone's got to know something about digital tools at this point, because that's where this is all going. But at the same time, trying to get back to the creation where the actual living of a man or a woman occurs, though we forget it often, how much of the digital world do you include uh, in your instruction? So
2: everything I preach is about following the interest of the child. So for some children, the digital world is a very large part of what they're doing. And for other children, they are on paths where it's really focused around agriculture, around um, animal husbandry, around engineering, around construction-type skills and building things with your hands. So it really differs child to child. What I would say with, so you guys talked about a 19 year old who is interested in art. Well, there's so many different things you can do with that. And for a 19 year old, what I would say is um, there's courses in graphic design. David Gareth has a course in graphic design, which is phenomenal. It's on YouTube. It's free. There are courses on digital illustration, which is an absolutely phenomenal skill. There is the website 21 Draw Space where you could basically get a college illustration education for the price of free or probably for like $10 a month if you really want to get serious with it. And what I would do is develop that skill and then you can do things both in the digital world and the physical world with that art skill. So for example, in the physical world, something you might be able to do for a 19-year-old is they could start to do their own shoe designs. Well, how do you do that? How is that possible? Well, you can literally go into the store five and below, and you can buy $1,000 worth of shoes for $5 or less. So now you have all these shoes, and you can get some printing machines, right, and make original artwork, and then put original designs on those shoes. And then you could sell them any way you want. If you wanted to do it in the physical world, you could do it At farmer's markets, you could rent a storefront, right? I mean, there's so many different things you can do. Um, Or you can do it both, right? As well as in the digital world where a child or a 19-year-old who's doing that, I would suggest they build their own website, Um, maybe take some remedial courses in web design, take some courses on social media marketing and how to use Instagram as a tool. You know, I don't love these things, but they're just tools. Um, How to use them as a tool to get your product out there. There's so many different things you can do. I I would definitely suggest to your daughter that she should start an account on a site like Fiverr, where again it's not perfect. Like for example, I illustrate the Cubs to Bears children book series, and I found my illustrator through Fiverr. And believe it or not, I can't um, I can't publish any books right now. And the reason for that is my illustrator lives in Russia, and they cut her off. I spoke with my illustrator, and I was thinking about paying her through crypto and whatnot, but ultimately. My, my good friend's a lawyer, and he was like, he's like, you got to be careful with uh, sending money to Russia right now. So I'm not happy about it, but I, I put it on pause. But either way, the point is that you can set up an account on a site like Fiber. Uh, I know you mentioned Redbubble. There's Gearbubble. Um, there's Printful, Printify, where she can make original art designs, um, put them on shirts, and then she could sell them online. There are so many different entrepreneurial things you can do. Simply by developing that skill, she could start a business in which she makes custom-designed logos. Um, she could write children's books, much in the vein that I do, where she could write children's books, do the illustrations for them, and you can make a full-time living just doing that. There are so many ways to live as a free and independent adult, whether that being in the digital world or whether that being in the physical world. In fact, you should probably do both. Um, it just really comes down to. What skills do you develop? Do you have the critical thinking faculties to figure out what you can do? And do you have the entrepreneurial experience, know how, and drive to do it? And like I said, I've worked with literal kids that are doing these things. So it's, you know, everyone can do it. How many children do you have, Jason?
1: I have one daughter. She just turned 19. That's
2: awesome. That's awesome.
1: And she stopped living with me pretty much at the end of her 17th year, uh, because she's with a a very nice fellow who's slightly older than her. Uh, He just graduated with a degree in, I don't know exactly what it is. It's video game design. I don't know if it has a more specific title. And he's trying to find a job in that whole genre. And she's contributing artwork and design to some of his ideas. So that's what they're doing. And I encourage it very, very much. Yeah, I love it. The whole concept that uh, kids need to have something to be focusing on these days. Like, If you're relying on the system, (laughs) no, the system is producing spoiled little insane people who uh, think they're lampposts and things like that and make up their own genders on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, no, I love it that your daughter is mature enough and she's moving out at 17. You get all these people and they're like, they have this idea, this concept in their mind that. Yeah, you don't move out until you're 18 years old. But like with my children, they become adults when they've become adults. And if my son is 15 years old and he's proven to me that he's mature enough to be an independent adult, then I would be doing him and myself a disservice by not guiding him and encouraging him to live a remarkable life that all our kids are capable
1: of living. So these are concepts that I've been thinking about anyway a lot, actually. I'm seeing, slowly but surely, the concepts that the bear community, all the stuff that they're doing, this is really our only hope because we're seeing the results of where Western culture is going. It's this insane, self-centered, I don't even know what to call it anymore. I mean, every time I see a new article in some mainstream thing that's been shoved in my face. It's just appalling. We need to get back to basics and, quite frankly, back to reality. And that's what you're doing. And I keep trying to think of ways of promoting that more and more and more because any kind of super nut job who's uh, hung up on racism that doesn't exist or misogyny that doesn't exist and all that kind of stuff, I don't know what kind of children, if they're even having children, those are going to be when they grow up. So, we need to start putting stepping stones down to build a future that's not full of crazy people who are screaming for socialism and communism because they're poor students of history and that's never worked.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, the Bears and Owen Benjamin have been such a positive, have had such a positive impact on my life. And when I first started, when I first came across Owen, I had a good heart and I was one of those people who stood at the top of a mountain and yelled, don't you see it? Don't you see what the system is? Don't you see what they're doing? And Owen really set the example of that's not the way that if you want to build a better world, then you have to in fact build a better world. Yep. And I've done that with writing the Cubs to Bears children book series. I've done that with starting a homeschooling company. And one of my big objectives is to get, positive, get worthy people underneath what I call um, my coaching tree. So you know how Bill Walsh and football coaches are said to, oh, that's a great football coach. And his assistants are now great football coaches. Well, I'm kind of in under the coaching tree of Owen Benjamin, where he had such a positive impact in my life that his example led to me writing these children books, led to me starting a homeschool company I'm part of his coaching tree, and hopefully I can give back to the world by getting other people who are doing positive things under my coaching tree. And to me, that's how we build a better world. We just help each other and we build parallel systems.
1: Well, what if we took that further? And I think it could be done. I don't know exactly how many bears there are or how tight-knit the community is. Uh, Maybe it's different depending upon where you live. But what if we collectively all contributed to a new society that is not reliant on the old systems. For instance, if I were in my late teens and early 20s, I'd want to be like I was back then, wanting to get signed to a record label and be a professional musician, all that kind of stuff. Knowing what I know now, that would be quite appalling to be uh, dealing with that system, especially on the, on the upper tiers. But what if we started doing all of those kinds of things ourselves? What if we started putting all of our talents to use and get our own businesses going? Really anything, our own education systems, our own technologies, all that kind of stuff, so that we aren't reliant or at least as minimally reliant on what's out there now that's being manipulated by... Uh, Either crazy people or people who absolutely do not have our best interests at heart.
2: Yeah, I mean, the intro to your show is music put together by Conspiracy Music Guru. That's correct. Right there, it's self-evident in the things that people can do. Because if someone was interested in getting their name out there outside of a record label, what I would suggest to them is you find people on... Social media who are good people, you find local businesses and or businesses that do things online, and literally just start making them their free intro music, right? Build a website and start getting yourself out there that you make this free intro music. And through that, you can start to promote yourself. And there are people, I believe, I'm not too familiar with this work, like Tom McDonald. There is The rap artist Anomaly, who are doing just that outside of record labels. There is in the Bear community, Anchor Bear, who, I mean, we're having a a big festival in Missouri that I'll be giving a speech at in September on Labor Day weekend. And there's going to be people who are members of the Bear community and other people from all over the country going there. And Anchor Bear, who has this amazing grassroots music, you could find him on spotify will be performing live and i'm actually hoping i'm actually hoping that you'll be performing live cuz i'd love to meet you and you know hear your work in person but all of those people there i'll if anchor bear puts out a cd i'll be the first person to buy it and that's not unique to me within our community there will be hundreds or thousands of people that buy his cd and i'm sure if you put one out i'd be willing to buy it we can build these systems. And as soon as more people realize that we don't have to be dependent, right, that we don't have to be dependent on their grocery store, because there's this guy, um, Mohawk Farmer Bear, who I met at an event in Pennsylvania, a bear event about a week ago, a week or two ago. And he owns a company called Bear Trail Meats. And now I can buy my meat directly from Bear Trail Meats, and Mohawk Farmer Bear, we don't have to be reliant on Trader Joe's. We don't have to be reliant on Walmart. We don't have to be reliant on any of their stuff. And as soon as we get to that point, then we don't care about their bannings and their censorship. We can use their stuff as a tool as we see fit. But if we get kicked off it, whatever, we tell them, get lost. We have something better.
1: That's exactly what I'm talking about. Just to keep going with the music thing, Bears could hold events. Hey, do you want live music? Well, most people love live music. So someone could come and do a mini tour. Obviously, it's not going to be in stadiums or stuff like that, but who cares? Think about if uh, someone could put on a show where at least a couple of hundred people there. Well, that's that's great, actually. And you could go from state to state doing your art, And it doesn't even have to be music, it could be other things. But just to keep with the music motif, this is exactly what I've been talking about. And I I want to find a way to get involved with that more because I've got tons of original music and I've got all the gear. This is something that is absolutely my other passion that has been completely buried because of just the way things are in the world now.
2: Yeah, and especially for you, because you have a platform, if you start putting your music out there, you will gain traction with it very quickly. You'll find buyer. There's so much you can do with it. And it's really, it's just an, I mean, you used physically touring and things like that, Well, we have an example of that. Speaking of Owen, before Owen had the children and decided he wanted to be home full time, he was actually doing grassroots comedy where he was hosting events at people's farms, hundreds of thousands of people, whatever it is, showing up, paying for tickets, We can literally have music tours, comedy tours. I haven't ruled out one day doing educational seminars and Cubs to Bears book readings. Literally, we can do it on tour, and there's nothing that can stop us from doing it. All we need is a little bit of creativity.
1: Well, this is exactly what I'm talking about, and I want to get involved more with this. So maybe we should uh, have a chat off the air about what could be done and how we could take things to another level. But uh, what point did we leave off here so we could get back to that?
0: Well, let's let's jump in. I mean, you guys are hitting a critical thing. When I was in sixth grade, everybody was handed a musical instrument. Uh, the people who took an interest went to the sixth grade orchestra, the people who didn't um, did other things. And music is almost completely gone from schools. That's another thing that I would put high on the top. As a matter of fact, if you go look at the wooden book series, the quadrivium and the trivium, what you're looking at mostly is things that relate to the real world, things that relate to the creation, geometry, cymatics, music, all these things. And music is a big part of that that has been removed. From the upbringing in the Western world, uh, how much music do you have? Where you guys are teaching?
2: Yeah, I mean, music is so powerful because it has the ability to hold people's attention and to rhetorically, through art, alter people's perspectives. And I've worked with families who their children have YouTube um, YouTube channels. One of our one of the children, which is amazing. Um, in our community, who has a YouTube channel had a video get a million views, which that's what the child was interested in, um, that's what they wanted to pursue, and music is one of the things that makes that possible. So for a child like that, I'd say um, we want to teach them music. Maybe there's a program called um, Mix Major, which teaches children not only to make their own music, but how to like cut it digitally. Um, and then for a child like that who wanted to do a YouTube channel, I would say there's a program called. Winning Feathers, which teaches public speaking, you can learn graphic design so you can make good thumbnails, and you learn skill after skill. And what I tell all parents, especially with music, is we want to start from as young an age as possible. So for the young children in our community, we start them usually on Piano K, which is available for, I think, $30 on Amazon. Really cool. Uh, Basically, it's a, a book that has all different musical songs, twinkle, twinkle, little star, you know, stuff like that. Um, I'm sure you know all things about this. (laughs) I'm sure you know the inside baseball and all these songs and the hidden messages, but um, basically they learn to play music and read music before they even know how to read. So what it does is it'll have a picture of a dog for the D note. And then you put a sticker of that dog on the D note. So when they see the D, they look down at their piano and they go, or Correction: When they see the picture of the dog, they look down at their piano. They see the picture of the dog, and they hit the Dino, and they learn to read music and play music from a young age. Another program that I really love that I do—I do both with my son—is um, the Prodigies Music Program, which is I think it's I think it's nineteen dollars a month, nineteen ninety nine, and it teaches all about rhythm and beats and. It comes with this set of musical bells and my son plays the musical bells. And the coolest thing is the program's so good that my daughter's 13 months old. And although she can't quite keep up, she actually has been playing the bells and has been trying to keep up with it. So we want to teach this stuff from as young an age as possible. And then as the children say, hey, you know what? I like this instrument or that instrument. Um, we point them in a direction because there are so many good programs available for whatever you want to learn. And you don't even need, you know, if you could find a local tutor, great. But if you want to learn the guitar, there's a thousand programs online to learn the guitar.
0: Your young daughter there, this is a big deal. And most people don't know why this is a big deal. When you play music, it activates both sides of your brain. Typically when we read or do other things, it is claimed that half of the brain is activated. It is claimed that symbols and music have the ability to activate both sides of the brain. So there's a 13 month year old living being that is activating both sides of the brain. And this also brings, like, have you ever been amazed by Asian ingenuity? You know, some of the things the Chinese and others did. Well, think about their writing system, it's symbols, and it's claimed that that activates both sides of the brain. But here's the thing that's happened in our era when I was young and rock music was king, we had entered a time when the musicians were leaving true music behind, most of them, like Paul McCartney, whichever one you want to imagine he is. I don't read music, he says, and yet he goes to the Albert Hall and supposedly writes an orchestra by ear. Well, this this came on at the end of the 60s, where musicians didn't necessarily read music anymore. And this is a big departure, but look where it's led us. We have what we call music now, where not a single person in the so-called band reads music knows anything about music and there may not be a shred of melody or harmony in the thing we're calling music and so again this is a back to the future thing these young minds learning to read music big deal learning to actually play some music that is a big deal and if for no other reason Name another activity they're doing that is claimed to activate activate both sides of the brain. Um, and this is the thing that I think was engineered out of school on purpose. By the time I was just getting out of high school, uh, we were already hearing all the music being cut from the schools. So I, I think this is a critical, critical point.
1: It's common knowledge, by the way, that every time budgets get cut in mainstream school systems, the first thing that goes is art and music.
2: They cut art, they cut music, and one program that is so cut, or really two programs that are so cut, they don't even bring it up anymore, is they cut wood shop and they cut cooking. And these are all skills. All four of these skills, you can teach your child. And by the time they're 15 years old, if you guide them right, they could literally be running functional businesses In which they're not even dependent on their parents anymore by the, you know, 15 to 18, by the time they're 18. And the schools that do teach it, they'll say, oh yeah, no, we teach woodshop. All right. One class in one semester in eighth grade is not woodshop. The families I work with, there are $10. I have lists of the books that I recommend. There are $10 books available on Amazon or I'm sure other sites as well, where they are designed to teach children as young as four years old to start them on a path the basics of carpentry. And there are families who get these books. And really what they do is they just give um, the outlines of projects that the children can do. And you work on the projects with them. So it might start, you know, they're building a birdhouse at first. And eventually as they get older, you have them building rocking chairs and desks or whatever it is that they want to build. Where if you start a four-year-old on that and you don't have to go crazy, like you take a four-year-old and you start that and you do that once a month. Say once a month, we're going to do a little carpentry project and we're going to do this throughout your childhood. How capable will that child be when they're 12 years old? And then at the same time, you've been getting them, you started with lemonade stands, Whatever, I don't care. Lemonade stands, little bake sale. They've been doing entrepreneurial things from the time they were five. Well, when they're twelve years old now, now they can make whatever it is they want. They can literally talk about doing physical things in the real world. They can drive down the street with mom and dad, look for old furniture that people literally throw out, put on the curb, pick it up, put it in the truck, bring it home, fix it up, and then they can sell it online on the Facebook Marketplace. They could sell it on a site like Etsy. You can go over things like sales pitches and you could have them call a local farmer's market and say, I am so-and-so and I run a business in which I restore old furniture. Um, I'd like to come to some type of agreement in which we sell my furniture at your farmer's market. There's flea markets, there's old antique shops. And, and that's just the tip of the service. There's a million different things you can do with that skill. And these are the things that public school says, Oh, you know what? Yeah.
0: You know, we have budget constraints. They need to know about the big bang theory. Well, we're, we're pushing the top of the hour here, guys. So, um, can you Brett, tell folks one more time where they can find you and you do have an account to log into Crow triple seven radio? Yes.
2: Oh yes. For a long time
0: now. All right. If you don't make sure that you ping me and you need to get your links in, uh, in comments under the episode, but where can folks find you?
2: Yes. They could find me at www.classicallearner.com and our private homeschool community in which you get access to myself and all of the different courses that I teach that go along with that. The original curriculum I create is called Homeschools Connected. And if you use the discount code FREEDOM,
0: all lowercase, it's $10 a month. All right. So in closing, there's so many big ideas that have been removed from how most of the upbringing goes on in the Western world. I can remember to this day in fifth grade, we showed up one day and you remember the auto harp. It's like a little harp with little keys. Anyone can make music on it. You don't have to know how to fret or anything else. You just strum the strings and you push little buttons. And that changed my life, that auto harp, because within that day, I realized I could write my own music. And my nephew, who is one of the best piano players I I mean, he's playing Rachmaninoff at a very young age, but he will not write his own music. And I kept trying to get him to write his own music. And it was finally that I realized in his mind, how could I possibly write anything compared to Rachmaninoff or these other people that I was playing? The point is this, what was it, Jason? Three, four years ago, I decided to get a mandolin for the first time and I got it and I was playing it. And my sister walked in and said, how, how the heck do you know how to play a mandolin? I said, well, because I know how to play a guitar. And that means I also know how to make chords on a piano, which means I can also pick up that banjo over there and figure out what to do pretty quickly. But it's a big deal to get that young mind to have the opportunity to go down these roads. And if they can write their own music, that's even a bigger deal because that's where the individuality starts to show. But that's going to bring hour one of episode 433 to a close with Jason Lindgren and Brett Pike. And we hope you join us for hour two at Crow Triple Seven Radio, crrow 777 radiocom And I would like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Hope to see you for hour two. There it is, man. Cheers.